Welcome to Orsini's Uncensored Mind, and now your host, AJ Orsini. How the hell is everybody out there? This is AJ Orsini, and I am here with episode 36 of Orsini's Uncensored Mind. Thank you guys for taking the time to download the show and uh, the progress on said show doing well. Since our 1,000th download, I as mentioned last week, we were finally over 1,000 downloads, and I have a correction I must make. Uh, part of that announcement was that it was also being heard in nine countries, and I am not being heard in nine countries. I am only being heard in a lowly old eight. That was brought to my attention that I had put up a post that uh, stated nine when it was not nine, it was eight. I miscounted by one. Not trying to blow myself here, but uh, trust me, we'll get to the nine. And then uh, double digits to more I pursue because the hustle is real, motherfuckers. That's exactly what's going on. So thank you guys for listening to the show. Thank you for downloading. Um, we are right now here at the end of Memorial Weekend. Uh, for those of you who did not have the time off and you worked, uh, thank you for working. Because uh, I, I've paid so many of those damn dues in my life. I can appreciate having the working man go out there and do their thing. I did not work this weekend. I was off. And not only was I off, but I was done with the school stuff as well. So I got to finally enjoy an actual relaxing, cool weekend with my family. Uh, not to lose sight, actually. I'm going to get into some of the family stuff, but not to lose sight of... Uh, what the weekend and what the day is supposed to actually mean. I put out a post on my social media just the other day. Uh, well, not just the other day. To be more specific, it was the day of uh, Memorial Day. And I wanted to share some thoughts and expound a little bit upon that. Uh, I'm actually pulling the post up now because I don't remember it verbatim. But uh, I, Memorial Weekend is very huge uh, for me and for my family. I have uh, family members that are... Uh, servicemen who went to the military and did their damn thing. Uh, none of them died, thank God. <laughs> Unfortunately, there are those who don't get a chance to come home, which is the whole point of the weekend and of the day itself. It's a remembrance. So uh, I, I do have, uh, I actually have a, uh, an uncle who was a Marine. I have an aunt who was uh, who was a Navy. I have another cousin who's Navy. Uh, all of which I'm uh, are currently retired. They, they served and uh, are currently enjoying retirement. Uh, I have another, uh, my, my grandfather, he's technically a step-grandfather, but he was my grandfather on my father's side who, uh, who, who was retired Army. And, uh, yeah, so here's the post that I made. To all those that trained so I didn't have to, to all those that fought because I didn't have the courage to, and to all those that died so my family and I could live, thank you. And, I, and that's not just on behalf of myself, but on behalf of everyone who uh, who helps put this show together and, and puts this product together for you guys to enjoy. On behalf of literally everyone here, thank you for your service. Uh, and thank you especially to those who lost their lives in the line of duty. Doing what they do so that we can do what we do here. So I want to take the time real quick to send that shout out to thank you all of you. Hence the cold opening here at the beginning of this show. Uh, a nice little tribute to that at the end of this episode. I will once again pay tribute, but I will pay tribute in the only way that I truly know how, which is in the world of professional wrestling. And of course, when you have a fallen soldier, a fallen comrade, uh, we give the traditional 10 bell salute. So that will be happening at the end of said episode. We will not be getting the usual ending with my son. 
Uh, we will be doing that in commemoration to those who have lost their lives in the line of duty. So once again, thank you guys. So that is that. Um, I'm going to try to keep this one a little light. I tried doing that last week and then it ended on a tone that was a little down. And I got some comments about that, that uh, I kind of swerved a lot of people last week. It was a very fun-loving episode. A lot of things go- going on, you know, uh, uh, people throwing shit and whatnot. And it was a pretty fun episode. And then it just got really deep and really dark toward the end there. So I will not be swerving you in that wave today. Uh, there are going to be some fun topics today. And there's going to be some uh, some real talk here. We're going we're gonna to get real on, one, on a particular topic. Not super serious. I'm not mad or anything like that. I think... I think it's more or less just a cautionary tale. It's a word of advice, and I'm going to save that for a little bit toward the end there. Again, I usually like to save my heavier topics toward the end, but one of the highlights of my weekend, of Memorial Day weekend, I've got quite a few. Uh, Here's one of the the non-highlights, actually. Here in New York, it fucking rained, and uh, that sucks for any Memorial fucking weekend. And the only thing I was really invited to on Memorial Day was like, an hour and a half, two hours from my fucking house, so I'm not going to that. But, uh, yeah, it fucking rained, which killed a lot of momentum and a lot of fucking planning. Because, motherfucker, I was going to Sesame Place. That was the plan for Memorial Weekend, baby. I was going to go chill with fucking Big Bird and Grover and my nigga Cookie. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if anyone's ever said the name my nigga Cookie before, but that's my dude right there. I love, I love me some CM. Uh, and I was going to go check him out. But it rained, and it's not good. It wasn't good weather, so we did some cool stuff here, uh, back at the crib, back at the house of O. And uh, we, when it cleared up, when the rain was all gone and away with, we did some uh, some beach stuff. Kid went to the beach already. Uh, the world famous Coney Island, of course. Um, we go to other beaches, but you know, when you want to go, when you want to do a, a quick in and out thing, uh, Coney is really easy from our house, so wasn't that big of a deal. So that was pretty much the weekend there, and then Monday we just kind of hung out at the house. We really didn't do too much, to be honest with you. And so I hope you guys had a good weekend. I hope you guys drink responsibly. I hope you guys did everything you wanted to do and got it out the way. For those of you who had the time, if you had to work, my bad. I hope you guys get through it or got through it okay and everything worked out really, really good for you. So that is Memorial Weekend. Uh, one of the things that happened at the very end of Memorial Weekend. I got to see Deadpool. Got to see Deadpool this weekend. Got the chance to sit down with the wife, put on a little Deadpool. Now, I was a little concerned because I liked the first Deadpool. My wife did not. Was not a big fan of the first Deadpool. So it took some convincing, uh, but we sat down. Actually, it took some convincing on her part because uh, I I wanted to see it, but to be honest, I I didn't really want to watch it with her because I knew she didn't like it. I don't like watching movies with my wife. I know she's not going to like it. That's just stupid because she's not going to like it. She's not going to be into it, which takes me out of it and yada, yada, yada. But she, you know, oh, no, I'll watch it. I, I want to see how it goes. Da, 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 da. So we did. And the end result was, yeah, you you guessed it. She didn't fucking like it. I did. I actually thought it was better than the first. For those of you who have not seen it yet and you're in that spoiler category, you don't like spoilers and the whatnot. All right. Then you might want to skip at least another five or six minutes because I'm talking Deadpool for just a quick second. Okay, but Deadpool was, uh, to me, I thought it was a really cool movie for what it was. It was cool to watch. It was very entertaining. Uh, I didn't get the story arc at all. Very little, actually, I made sense to me. It was one of those situations where you just looked at it and listened to it, and you went, all right, sure, I guess. 
let's just get to the cool stuff. And, and there was a lot of cool stuff to get to. Uh, I thought Juggernaut was cool. I thought Cable was cool. I thought Ryan did a great job as Deadpool again. Uh, it, it was just really well done, I, I thought. But I again, that story, it, I, it, it, had, it had what I thought was a lot of plot holes in it. The, the one that really irked me was actually at the end when when Cable only had one charge left and, and Deadpool dies and sacrifices himself and uh, and then he cranks it back and he and he bring he helps save Deadpool so that he could stay here in this timeline. And what 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 bothered me was just before that when they had the argument about trying to convince Russell not to kill the headmaster. And giving Deadpool the 30 seconds to try to convince the kid. I didn't understand the 30 seconds. I, I just didn't understand it. The 30 seconds didn't make any sense to me. I'll give you 30 seconds. Because he went back into time specifically to kill the kid. He knew it was a kid when he got here. He should not have had a dilemma as to whether or not he should kill a child. That should have been worked out before he got to this time period. He came here specifically knowing he was a kid. And he'd be easier to kill here. I, I don't understand. And then to have Deadpool convince him of it, a guy who he just met two fucking seconds ago, was able to convince Cable that killing a kid's bad, but I came here specifically to kill a child. I don't know. It just it was weird. It was weird, and a lot of the connecting stuff didn't make sense. I, I, I didn't get a lot of it. But, again, for what it was, it, it was pretty entertaining and a really fun movie to watch. The, a, the use of X-Force was hilarious. That was the best part of the fucking film. That whole scene where everyone just dies was great. First of all, I I popped hard when they killed Shatterstar because I love Shatterstar. I thought it, I think he's a very interesting character. He's one of my favorites of all time. If you remember Comic Book Week, it was one of the first comic books I ever read. It was a Shatterstar uh, issue in in the Wolverine series. Uh, but that look, that person, whoever the fuck that was, that's a horrible fucking Shatterstar. Horrible. I, I didn't like anything about that Shatterstar. And I just, I, I was like saying to myself, I, I hope they do him justice. And they killed him in 10 seconds, which I'm fine with. Because if you're not going to do Shatterstar right, you might as well just kill him off in 10 seconds. If you can't do the guy, anything you're worth doing is worth doing right. If you couldn't do it, you might as well not do it, which they didn't, which is fine. They didn't do a whole lot with a lot of those characters they introduced to you in the trailer. They were all pretty much gone. And all the hubbub about Peter and and also gone in two seconds. So there you go. The, the X-Force team that we wound up with at the end of the film was dope. I'm with all that. But but the way that they, they used... And I'm a big Brooklyn Nine-Nine guy. I was waiting to see Terry Crews as a Marvel film. Uh, a lot of publicity went into that. And then he was on screen for about 10 seconds. Uh, I just thought it was great. I thought it was perfect. I, 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 thought, I thought that was amazing. It was a lot of fun. If you're, if you're looking for a, a good movie and that you just you know like a date movie or you just want to fucking kill some time at the movie theater or something, Deadpool's the one you got to do. It's not gonna win any fucking Oscars and it's not gonna win any fucking writing awards. I'll tell you that right now. But if you just want to bang bang shoot him up type, you know, laugh your ass off type shit, get high and watch it. It's, it's a good high movie, I think. Yeah, a lot of people thought the jokes fell flat. I actually didn't have a problem with him. I, I thought he OD'd. I think he was. Far more jokey than the last time, but then again, it was very jokey the first time. So, so that's that. Deadpool. Uh, I I would go see it again. I, I wouldn't go to the theater to see it again when it comes on TV, though. I'm probably going to kill it to death, which is usually what I do with movies like that. 
The other movie that's out right now that I haven't seen, I was going to actually watch it today before filming, and then something happened with my kid. Not Nothing terrible. It's just something time-consuming took place, so I don't have time to see it. But I have not seen it. I have There's, there's like a, a piece of me that kind of doesn't want to see it. But I'm seeing it because whenever I see criticism for a film, it almost drives me to want to see it more rather than repel me. Because whenever I see criticism for a movie that's this fucking loud, it automatically tells me that it can't be true. Automatically. Whenever this many people are like, oh, this movie sucks, that's usually the cue to me that it probably doesn't. So I should probably go check it out. You know, it usually works in reverse. People will say, oh, whatever I hear critics criticize it, I always try to break it down and see what's wrong with it. I just assume when critics break it down that it's good. So I, I, I didn't want to see it, but then so many people shit on it, I kind of have to. It's like what happened with Ghostbusters, the female Ghostbusters. I didn't have any intentions of seeing it, but there was so much hate and venom towards it. I had to see it for myself, and I actually enjoyed it a bit. So I'm sure this is going to be the same scenario. I'm going to go in there, and I'm probably going to enjoy it for what it is. Will it be the greatest Star Wars movie ever told? Probably not. Okay, but I, with all the criticisms and everything going on with this movie, I have to see it. Okay, which is another problem. That, uh, the, uh, not another problem. I didn't name a problem. Here's the first problem. The first problem that I have. Why are Star Wars fans taking such glee in the fact that this movie is failing? I don't understand that. Is the purpose because you think that if you that if it fails, I, I just trying to get the, the logic down. So maybe you can help me. Is the thought process that if it fails, they will give you a better movie? Because I'm under the impression that good is subjective, right? What you think is good might not be good for the next guy. What you think is bad might not be bad for the next guy. So for those of you out there who were mad at Solo. Because they were mad at The Last Jedi. Uh, I'm confused by this logic. It befuddles me just a bit. Because I would think that since Solo is not being touched by any of the people that made The Last Jedi. You'd give it a shot. That you'd almost give it, you know, no pun intended. But you'd put your hope that this movie would do something. Kind of like what Rogue One did. Rogue One didn't have a whole lot of eggs in the basket. There were a lot of people shitting on Rogue One before it came out. Don't lie, you were on that boat. There are people now who praise it as one of the best Star Wars movies of all time. But before it came out, there were people shitting on it. A ninja in Star Wars? That doesn't make any sense. A samurai, whatever the fuck he was. There were people criticizing it, but then it came out, and all those criticisms went away. Everything got deleted. Oh, no, 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 never mind. Never mind. Scratch that. It's a good movie. So when this whole thing was being put together, and, and trust me, Disney did not do itself any favors. There were so many turnovers on script and directors and visions. This thing has been put through the process and through the ringer so many times. God knows what the original product was supposed to look like, but with the people involved in this project, you would assume this would do well, but it did not. Now, you can attribute this to people will tell you, well, the writing is bad. The story didn't make any sense. It's all over the place. And you can make a valid argument about that since the script changed so many fucking times before it was finally done. That Yeah, there's going to be some residual bullshit in there. So if that's your criticism of it, fine. If it's the bad writing, you don't like it because it's bad writing, hey, there you go. I'm with you. I tip the cap to you. If you think the movie was bad because it was bad acting, the the guy they chose for Han Solo wasn't a very Han Solo-y type of guy. All right, cool. All right? Those are all valid criticisms. My point is, is if you don't like the movie because of the movie, that's fine. But if you're going to beat your fucking chest about the failure of this film solely because you didn't like The Last Jedi, I'm sorry. That's a moronic way to think. 
It's dumb. It's dumb because because here, here's why it's dumb. Your thought process is okay. Now we showed them that no matter it doesn't matter if they just put anything out and they're just going to make money. No, if you got to put something good out for you to make money on the project. If that's your thought process going in, I mean, <laughs> you're climbing, you're swimming upstream here because these guys have so much fucking money from all the fucking projects. I, I, they could put out ten or twelve bombs, and it wouldn't even begin to dent the revenue that this fucking company makes. It wouldn't. They're going to put out the product that they're going to put out. If you don't like it, then you don't have to like it. You can disagree with it. You can choose not to be a part of it. And for those hardcore Star Wars fans that take it so seriously and they'll sit there and they say, well, they're ruining my franchise. This is what I grew up loving. This is I'm passionate about this. That's fine. Remember it the way that you want to remember it. Pick your favorite pieces to the puzzle and do that. It's a lot of what wrestling fans do today. A lot of wrestling fans today don't like today's product, but they hang on to the sport by, you know, reflecting and going back and enjoying the parts of it that they like. Even if it takes them back to 80s wrestling or 90s wrestling or whatever, they still stick to the sport, hanging on to whatever it is they liked about it. They didn't necessarily have to conform and swallow down whatever it is the current product is giving them. They can hang on to whatever it is. That's what's the beauty about the network. Same thing here with Star Wars. Star Wars is such a vast universe of things between comic books and animated shows and full-length feature presentations here and all kinds of different toys and merch. And There's so many different avenues and venues in which you can get your Star Wars fix is what I'm telling you. For you to try to spearhead this revolution and try to get this company to change their idea on one facet of all of that, it isn't going to work. It isn't. Because again, what you think is bad may not be bad for the other person. When Force Awakens came out, not everybody enjoyed Force Awakens. But you know what? It made billions. Billions. This one will also make billions. It will, because enough people do enjoy it. A lot of people do enjoy it. A lot of people don't have a problem with these movies coming out. And that's what really pisses off fans, because they can't get the revolution they want. It's not like the whole fan base is standing together as one. Pitchforks, flames lit at the, at the, at the castle gate trying to beat the door in. It's only like maybe half. Maybe even less. The ones who scream the loudest usually tend to be the ones who are who, who, who are in the minority. Usually, and I think that's the case here. All right, when Force Awakens was released, all right, it, 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 it was one of it was very critically acclaimed, but it's one of the highest grossing films of all time. Over nine hundred million made domestically, over two billion made worldwide for a movie that quote-unquote nobody really liked oh nobody likes this movie it made two bill somebody fucking liked it the last jedi was shitty it made 1.3 billion dollars worldwide apparently enough people thought that (laughs) enough people thought that this was a good movie Up until Infinity War and Black Panther snuck in, Star Wars The Last Jedi was a top 10 all-time film worldwide. And people say, well, you can't can't base 
how good a movie is solely on the box office, which is true, which is true. I'm not trying to negate my own argument. I'm, I'm, I'm jumping on board with this and agreeing to a degree. You cannot solely base the authenticity and the greatness of a film solely on box office. That's true, okay? But you can't ignore the fact that $1.3 billion for Last Jedi, $2 billion for The Force Awakens. If we push it down here just a little bit more, Rogue One, $1 billion, you know, 1.056 but essentially 1 billion that's 1 billion for uh rogue one that is 1.3 billion for her last jedi which will take it to 2.3 okay and force awakens here at two which takes us to 4.3 4.3 billion dollars on those movies alone and you really believe that solo flopping is going to show these people. We're going to show them that they need to. They're not. You're not showing them shit. You're not. If you're not going to watch the movie because you genuinely don't like it, don't. But <laughs> if you're trying to explain to me that this is all going to show the, the people over at Disney, the power, the voice of the people, they're laughing at you. And honestly, I'm laughing at you too because it's, it's not a big enough show of force. It's the same. It's the same time whenever I laugh because oh, Roman Reigns is not good for the WWE. He's the shits, and yet <laughs> business is as good as ever. His merch deals are through the roof. He gets a reaction every fucking time. Yeah, everyone is so singular in their thought process. Me, it's me. It's what I feel. Everyone nowadays takes I for we. It's not. If I feel this way, then everyone feels this way. And that's kind of not how life works. So I haven't seen it yet. I intend to. We will see what happens from there. Um, I'm going to switch it up here and head to the one area that, uh, to my expertise. I haven't spoken about this a whole lot. Last week, I did a little bit on the WWE with their deal with Fox. Um, We have a pay-per-view coming up June 17th. It's actually one of my favorite pay-per-views of the year. I haven't spoken too much on it because I'm waiting for it to develop. And uh, Lord and behold, shock to myself, it, it has not developed really at all. Um, there's really not a whole lot to go with this, which is unfortunate. But again, we're, here we are. You know, there's only but so much we can do with what we're being given. And it's an unfortunate truth. But... Uh, we haven't been given a whole lot here as it relates to their next pay-per-view, which is Money in the Bank. The Money in the Bank pay-per-view, again, one of my favorite pay-per-views in the world. I'm a big fan of the Money in the Bank ladder match, always have been. And to be honest with you, there are a lot of there's a lot of guys in this matchup that I like, and I think it's a really good I think it'll be a really good matchup. But there's literally nothing about this blowing me away at all or whatsoever. Uh I'm curious as to who will walk away the winner. Because at that point, yeah, you start to now wonder to yourself what direction you're going to go with that person. So let's get on the list here just really quickly. They added another matchup, Bobby Lashley and uh, Sami Zayn. Uh, obviously, we'll go one-on-one. The Bludgeon Brothers against the Bullet Club or the, the Good Brothers or Ganderson and Gallows, whatever you want to call them, for the SmackDown Tag Team titles. Roman Reigns versus his death dealer, Jinder Mahal. Uh, Carmella and Asuka for the SmackDown Women's Champion. 
Championship. Nia Jax, Ronda Rousey for the Raw Women's Championship. AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura. Last man standing for the WWE Championship. If that match is not fucking last. And I know that it won't. I know that it won't. Because they're always trying to find some fucking way to keep these two away from the fucking main event. I don't get it. I don't understand why. But they just continuously keep treating this feud like a mid-card thing. And I don't understand why. But it's a last man standing match. Hopefully the blow off. And uh, and I'm not going to do predictions on it. Because quite frankly I don't give a shit enough to do it. But... This is the one match I will tell you. If Shinsuke doesn't win it here, the guy never wins it. That's it. If he does not walk away the winner here, he never wins the belt. You heard it here first. Okay? If Shinsuke does not win this match, he will never win the WWE Championship. Not in the cards. Okay? And and regardless if he wins or loses, I see him going uh, down the line with Daniel Bryan anyway. So that's I think that's the SummerSlam match, Nakamura and uh, Bryan. Uh, down the line so now we, that leads us to our ladder matches uh, up first because that's the one that's set is the women's contract uh, for the no women's contract there but uh, it's got three raw three oh, excuse me four raw four uh, smackdown women ember moon charlotte flair alexa bliss becky lynch natalia lana naomi and sasha banks essentially all of the women that you know these are the only women that really mean dick right now in the WWE. Everybody else is just kind of floundering, which is sad because there's some very talented women not in this list. Bailey's not on this list. Dana Brooke uh, has shown some character. I'm liking where she's at. Uh, Mickey James not on this list. There's there's a long list of women not on this list. So these are the six. Uh, you can pick anyone you'd like, and I think the briefcase would help any one of them. I can think of scenarios for all six where the briefcase will be useful to them. And uh, and I think that's good for the matchup, to be honest with you. I think this ladder match is going to be dope. And I think that uh, regardless of the winner, you got storylines up to wazoo with this. So the women's division got put into a very nice position when you think about it. The men, uh, not so much. The men, uh, are, in my opinion, are in a bad spot because... Uh, Here's what we have so far. Braun Strowman, Finn Balor, The Miz, Rusev, Bobby Roode, Kevin Owens, and then two TBA, well, actually, one TBA and one TBD. Uh, One to be announced and one to be determined. Those are two different things. The New Day won an opportunity. They won a slot in the match, but they've yet to announce who's going to be in it. Big E, Kofi Kingston, or Xavier Woods. Now, Big E is the obvious pick because he's the obvious guy they're going to be going with in the future. As the guy. Xavier Woods has been getting a hell of a push. As a matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken, he's the one who made the pinfall to get into this matchup in the first place. And then you have Kofi Kingston, who basically, essentially, not no disrespect, hasn't done shit in forever. Uh, but he's the guy that they keep pushing on social media as the one that they want to see in that main event slot and possibly even a WWE champion at some point. So they've been playing their cards right. It's making it very hard to figure out which of the three uh, there's been some rumors that perhaps all three, but that would just be overkill and you know stupid. So it will be all three. It will be one of the three. I, if you're asking me my vote, I would do Kofi Kingston. And the reason why I would do Kofi Kingston is because of exactly what I just said. He hasn't done shit. Now I don't know if that's on purpose, but he hasn't really done a whole lot. And Biggie and Xavier have gotten quite. Quite a, a, a few chances to shine here over the last few weeks, even the last few months, if you think about it. And uh, it would be a nice heel turn for one of those individuals to jump all over the situation with Kofi. Uh, 
especially if they put him in and he once again fails because he's been in, what, 17 of these things and he's never won a, a single fucking one. So the New Day situation still has to be figured out. And then we have our TBD, our 2B determined Daniel Bryan. So we what happened here was is that it was the qualifier was supposed to be Big Cass and Samoa Joe. Uh, but Big Cass got, quote-unquote, taken out of the equation, and they had a second-chance matchup between Jeff Hardy and Daniel Bryan, which Daniel Bryan won, which means that uh, tonight, actually, as I'm recording this, I'm recording this on Tuesday, Daniel Bryan and Samoa Joe will compete one-on-one to determine who that last man will be. Now, the reason why I'm filming it this now, instead of waiting for that match to take place, is because I got shit to do, and it's irrelevant any fucking way. Because it's supposed to be, not supposed to be, but in my opinion, it should be Samoa Joe. There's no doubt about that. And I keep harping on the same thing over and over. Daniel Bryan should not be in a fucking ladder match. And Joe needs to be put in that position anyway, above Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan doesn't need to be in the Money in the Bank ladder match uh, to be an important part of this process. He's going to get into that championship situation regardless. Joe needs to, not only does Joe need to be in, but I think of the eight, Strowman, Balor, Miz, Rusev, Rude, Owens, and any of the New Day, Joe needs to be the one who wins this match. It's just a badass situation to have him walking around with that briefcase. And it just adds an element of terror to Samoa Joe. He could kill you at any moment. He has the contract to do it. So those are your Money in the Bank uh, matchups. Now, I have a few things that I wanted to discuss about Money in the Bank, I will be doing an episode on that. The go-home episode, as a matter of fact. Um, I've been saving these, but the Money in the Bank, to me, is a very important show. I think it deserves that. So June 17th is the pay-per-view, which means June 13th. I will be doing an ex- a Money in the Bank exclusive episode on June 13th. And um, we're going to be getting into some real shit on that one. I may even do a roundtable. Uh, I'm... I'm thinking really hard, actually, on doing a roundtable on that. I'd love to get some other people, though, um, some different voices, uh, maybe even a female one that's not my wife. So there's definitely some plans being put into the works here for June 13th. Uh, June 6th is next week's episode. That will be episode 37. I have a very, 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 very special episode planned for next week. I'm going to be doing an interview this Friday. Hopefully, if he shows up, uh, that's very, very special. Um, it's going to be huge for me. It's going to be huge for this show. Um, and it's going to hopefully put all of this into the next stratosphere. Uh, so you guys have to stay tuned for that. That's going to be super huge, and uh, and I'm super excited about it. A little nervous about it, to be honest with you, because I just really, really, really want it to go well. So those are some things there. Uh, about the show upcoming uh we're about halfway through this show so i figured take the time now to go ahead and remind everybody that in case you are not listening to this on the podbean app which of course is ajoum.podbean.com you have other ways to watch it or listening to it you can't watch it that would be dumb i only have audio but if you can't reach the podbean app there are many other apps that you can use to listen to the show. Of course, I say it all the time, but I'm going to continue to push because that's where I get my numbers. iTunes, Stitcher Radio, the TuneIn Radio app at Google Play Music, and CastBox.fm. I made a note last week about hitting back up with a, a new app called Listening Notes. Uh, I had finals week, so I forgot to do that. 
which is very non-hustle-ish of this show. I never forget stuff for this show. But this one did slip my mind because it's been a rather stressful week. So uh, I will get back in touch with this guy and figure out what's going on with that so you guys have another option, another venue in order in which to do that. I have another side note actually about the fucking page itself, uh, my, my fucking Facebook page. I am vastly approaching uh, 500 likes, which is pretty cool, and uh, and I'm super excited about it. But uh, I have like I have a Facebook group, and I'm not the only one that adds people to that group, which I'm very appreciative. If you're adding your friends to the group, it's super cool. So thank you for that. But I have like 1,200 people in this group, and only 500, not even 500, 460, I think, something like that, have actually liked the page. Share the page, you fucks. Let's get some more likes on this fucking page because I'm trying to do something. Um, normally, I wouldn't give a shit about who likes the page and all that shit, but there's a project that I'm trying to work on for the show, and um, the determination comes down to a social media presence. So the more likes, the better, yada, yada, yada. You know how that goes. So I didn't really care at the beginning, but now I'm starting to care because it's it's going to mean more for the show. So if you yourself are listening to this and you haven't had a chance, all you need to go to do, uh, all you need to go to do, there you go. All you need to do is go to Facebook and search up Orsini's Uncensored Mind and two things will come up, my like page and the group. If you want to add yourself to the group, cool. But if if you could, like the page and try to get others to like the page as well so we can get those numbers up. And uh, and more good things will come to the show. Trust me. Uh, I need as many good things to happen to the show as humanly possible. So, so that's going to happen that way. Uh, we're going to stay in the wrestling realm for just a second because there's something else that I wanted to discuss. Again... Not negatively, not bad. Now, this is not a situation where I'm going to start shitting on people or insulting them or anything like that. It's just a cautionary tale. And I've done this cautionary tale before, but this time I'm going to get into a few more specifics. I was very general, very vague the first time I went over this. Matter of fact, it's one of the earlier episodes, maybe even like three or four episode, like episode three or four, something like that. I, I got into this before, but it's coming up again, and uh, I, I, I want to go over it. So... What are the questions, whenever you're in the wrestling business, one of the biggest questions that you get all the time, the one that drives all of us fucking nuts, is how you can get started yourself, okay? How you can get started yourself, and you know, basically meaning how can they get into the business. And the reason why I want to get more specific is because a lot of people uh, ask all the wrong questions to all the wrong people, which means they get all the wrong information. And it's what I'm about to tell you was very, very unfair. So if you don't want to listen to it, if you don't want to hear the facts, if you don't want to hear real talk, because I told you that's what's coming, real talk, then uh, this is probably not going to be the section for you. But getting into the business once upon a time used to be very, 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 very difficult. Now it's not so difficult. What's difficult now is staying in the business. That's what's difficult now. Uh, it's easy to get in now if you don't really intend on making any money or being a general success at all. Then yeah, it's easy for you. If you want to come in and, and, and do it as a hobby or whatever the case may be, the avenues are there. It never used to be that way. It never used to be that way. Before this this business was very protected before. Very protected. You you had to go through quite a bit to become a member of the fraternity back in the day. And unfortunately, uh, the current crop or generation of, of uh, 
you know, of the people who are in, don't take it as seriously as they used to. And now every Tom, Dick, and Harry who cashes a W two can can wiggle his way in somehow. But I think we're going to start with that phrase, and that's getting into the business because there's different definitions of it. And my definition of it is it's not so much getting bookings because as sad as it may be to hear, any Tom, Dick, and Harry at this point can get something. There's always that one asshole promoter who'll book just about anybody so long as they either do it for free or do it for barely nothing. Uh, That's an unfortunate truth. But to me, being in the business involves acceptance. You have to be accepted in the fraternity to truly be, you know, in the business. And I don't think that's a very easy task to do. To have your peers look at you and say, yep, this guy's talented. I want to work with him. Um, I'm paying for his services. The guy's good. Uh, he can get people over. Or he can, you know, get himself over or whatever the case may be. He can draw a house. Uh, he could tell a story. Whatever, whatever the fucking crit- criticism is. That's when you're in the business. I don't think simply putting on boots and having a match means you're in the fucking business. I think being in the business means earning a spot. That's why there's a lot of people who work shows, and you can always tell who they are on social media because they're like half dressed in their gear, taking photos with all the legends and all the people who are, you know, they're basically being fans backstage. You know, they're taking backstage photos with all the superstars. You know, it's 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 like it's like a Make a Wish had a backstage pass. You know, and they got their little models uh, shorts on, and they got their gear. Well, from from eBay, and they're just putting shit on. They're using used boots and all that, and they're and they're cool, and they're thumbs up and awesome. And I'm in the wrestling business now. And no, you're not. You're not. It's it's kind of sad because a lot of promoters and a lot of veterans will look at you and just let you play wrestler now. It never used to be that way. They used to beat the shit out of you. You played wrestler. Now it's funny to them. Now we laugh at you and say, "Oh, he's he thinks he's in the business. That's cool. That's awesome." You know, when you're on the road all the time, when you're making towns, when you're going booking to booking, when you're double booked and you're trying to make it to this show and you've got a flight that got canceled, so you have to make it up. So you you, you go to Toronto and you got to drive to Detroit and you got to do all these different things. And it, that's being in the fucking business. All right. When you're negotiating money all the time and trying to get TV rights uh, out of the way because oh, you can't do DVDs because of this show and when you're really deep into the politics and and I'm not booking you because this guy books you and blah, 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 blah. that's being in the fucking business okay paying 20 bucks to be in somebody's battle royal doesn't make you in the business it doesn't you're not part of the frat you're not part of the group you're not one of the cool kids sorry that's just let's just start with that so there's another version of a story that we get all the time and that's for the people who want to be in the wrestling business without the wrestling part, which is another part that really drives me fucking insane because I get, I'm one of those that gets that all the time because I'm not in the ring anymore. So a lot of the stuff that people see me do is interviews or because I just put a Young Buck interview that I did not too long ago up. Uh, I've done some, the ring announcing, the commentating. I've done all that stuff. So what happens is, is that people will go, online and they will say well how do you get started in that what am i supposed to do to i want to be a wrestling commentator i want to be a uh a wrestling journalist or i want to be uh you know i want to be a ring announcer or, or anything like that like what am i supposed to do how, how, how do i get started and uh and the easiest way to answer that is the same answer that i would give for someone who says well how do i become a wrestler you go to school that's how you do this you go to school that's it. <laughs> that's the that's the short answer, because and, and and you can go to wrestling school and learn 
how to do that stuff. There are, if you go to the right school, they will teach you how to call matches, what to see, how how to see it, how to call it. They will teach you the ring announcing stuff. They, all that wrestling stuff gets taught at a real school. A, a real trainer and a real promoter will sit you down and teach you all that stuff at school. You don't just walk in off the street and just pretend. Now, there are some people who are charismatic enough to do it. I've seen it happen. There's people who, are, who are used to be fans. They come in and they've, they've heard wrestling so much that they know where they're going with this. And then some people have it really together. So there are some exceptions to the rule. But for the majority of you who hit us up and ask, well, I don't really want to wrestle. I just want to be in the wrestling business. I want to do this. I want to do that. It's, it's, not that, it's not that easy. It's the same thing as refereeing. How do I learn how to be a referee? School. That's it. You learn. You go to school. They teach you. How to be a referee. Okay. And it's not. And it's so funny because a lot of people who watch the WWE think they could be a, a referee right out of the gate. And so oh, referee is easy. One, two, three. Count when he's outside of the ring. You know, that's easy. No, 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 no. Not easy stuff. There is a science, a sweet science to be a referee. We have a lot of referees in the business right now that are trash. And I can see them. I don't even have to talk to them. I just see them in the ring, do their thing. And I could just I could tell within five minutes if that referee's a piece of shit or or doesn't know what he's doing or is scared out of his fucking mind or if the stage is too big for him or he just doesn't know what he's doing. It's really easy to tell. When you've been doing this a long time, it's really fucking easy to tell. And being a referee is not is not easy. Being a ring announcer is not easy. You are up there all fucking night. All night. Your energy has to actually go up as the night progresses. So when you're at an indie show that's going on its fourth fucking hour and the audience is dead and some of them want to leave, it's your job to keep them there. That's right. Your job. You have to either entertain or keep them interested enough to string them up to the next match. You're the, you're the, uh, uh, the piece of the train that keeps all the cars linked up together. You just keep it, keep it going to the next car, to the next car, to the next car until you get to the end. And it is long. Long. That's the part that throws people when it comes to ring announcing. The stamina of it. You know, the first time you do it, it's a fucking, it's a rush. The second time you do it, it's a rush. You know, when you have like 12 matches on the car, by the time you get to like the 11th match, even you're fucking sick of it. And you're not even sitting in the audience. You're being paid to be here and you're sick of it. You know, and imagine being double booked with that. Three hour show here. It's not like being a wrestler where you, you wrestle the 20 minutes and then you're done. You got to work all three hours. And then the next three hours, and then the next three hours, and you have to drive to the next town, and you got to do the next three hours, and your suit better be on point, and your notes better make sense, and you better not get that fucking name wrong. You could be on your sixth show. You could do six shows perfectly on a weekend, right? Six straight shows perfect, and not fuck up anyone's name, and not fuck up anyone's information, and then you can do a fucking, the last show of your weekend at 7 o'clock on Sunday. You can call Cody Rhodes to the ring and call him Cody Rhodes, and get bitched at because he's not Cody Rhodes anymore. He he's just Cody. You can't see Rhodes. We'll get in trouble. And all of a sudden, you're a shitty announcer. Doesn't matter how many great shows you just did in a row. You fucked up Cody Rhodes' name, so you're you're shit now. And that falls on you. And now a lot of people don't want to hear this shit. They think it's all easy, and they just go up there and they just entertain. It's not easy. And then you know what's funny? I see this all the time. People tell me, "Oh, I want to be a ring announcer." Okay, announce right now. And they could do it fine and fun to me, but then they get in the ring and there's 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 people and, and they can't open their mouths. They're pissing themselves. They're shaking. 
It's not easy to do all the extra stuff. Commentating is the same deal. Commentating is even more stressful than uh, ring announcing. Because with ring announcing, you do your intros, you're out. The wrestlers wrestle, and you're done. Commentating, you have to talk all fucking night. And you got to be interesting all fucking night. And you have to tell a story that doesn't involve you multiple times all fucking night. It's not easy to be a commentator. You have to know the wrestlers. You have to know what the wrestlers do. You have to know the whole point of this match. Where is your story headed? Not only that, but you have to multiply that by eight because eight measure eight matches. And you have to sell the promos correctly. And you have to make sure that you get the, the nicknames right. And you have to identify them. If these people don't know who they are, you have to figure out a way to identify these wrestlers to the fans, to the to the uh, favorite wrestlers of the fans. Oh, a very Harley Race like a Triple H like me, or this gentleman wrestled this guy on this show and he beat him. You have, this is, it's your job to get every single performer that performs on the card over. Your job. It's probably more so your job than the wrestler himself to get these people as over to the audience that's listening to you as humanly possible. And you have to do all that in the course of making sure you don't put yourself over. Otherwise, you guessed it, all of a sudden you're trash. You're a trash commentator because all you worried about was putting yourself over. These are not easy positions to come by. That's why when you finally get them, you have to you have to hold on to them for forever. Which is why what I did was practically career suicide. All right, I was doing play by I was the lead play by play commentator for the best uh, company here in the city of New York where I live, House of Glory. I was with them for several years. I had a great run. You might have saw some of the stuff that I put up on social media of my past days. I worked very hard to get that position. I was the lead play by play guy. My job was to very simple: get everybody as over as humanly possible. Okay, that was the job. And to their credit, I didn't really have a whole lot of oversight on that. I don't think they really gave a shit how I got them over. Just fucking get them over. And I'm proud to say that I had did a, I think I did a hell of a job for a number of years for that company with multiple partners. I had my partner, uh, the authentic Brandon Lewis, who you guys have heard on my show before with the roundtable, and he did the comic book week episode with me. Um, Matt Ryan, who is the current uh, promoter and and uh, head boss over at Capital Wrestling and and I've had Matt Stryker with me. I've had Pete Rosado with me. I've had AJ Pan with me. I've had a litany of partners when it comes to commentary. And I can honestly tell you that if I'm on, if I'm in the booth, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I let that job go because I had personal things in my life I had to take care of. But I was able to let go of that job safely and not kill myself in this business because I know I have the talent to be here. And I know I have the talent to do that. And I've been accepted amongst the fraternity. The people, I have people who hit me up to this day who ask me, please, when are you coming back? I haven't done a show since that Fiesta Pro uh, show way back in November. I think it was November. And, uh, and, then, and before that, it, it had been almost a year. So, I mean, within the course of a year and a half, two years, I've done like one show. And, uh, and I've been asked ever since. But that's a that to me is a mark that to me tells you that, you know, you did something right, you know, where people are still clamoring to try to get you to do a job for them and utilize their skills. Now I'm doing the show and I'm having a lot of fun with you guys, but these are not easy jobs. So when you tell me, well, how do I get in? I don't have an answer for you because at least not one you want to hear. 
Because any way to get into this business is going to involve you spending money. It's going to involve you spending your time. It's going to involve you just committing to something full time that you may not be ready to fully commit to. And that's the part that I think throws a lot of people sometimes. They think it's easy. It's simple. All I got to do is just this. It's not. There's no facet of this business that's easy. And if you think that it's easy, if if you're doing it now and you're saying, oh, this guy's full of shit, my job's completely easy, you're not going anywhere. You're a fucking nobody. You're not going anywhere. You'll never be anybody. And that's pretty much it. If you're not putting in the work, if you're not putting in the hard, hard work that goes into putting these shows together every single time out, you're wasting your time. Especially if you're a wrestler. Especially if you're a wrestler. Because you're, you're bumping. And the bump card only has but so many holes that you can punch before it's all used up and it needs to be discarded. So if you're really not putting in the time and the work, that's on you. That's on you, and you're not really going to go anywhere. If you're just sitting back waiting for the bookings to come to you, you know, if you're just sharing your YouTube videos out and just crossing your fingers and that's it, I mean, there's nothing much I can really tell you, you know. How do I become a wrestler? You go to a school, which is the next problem. Well, which school do I select? All these schools offer so many different things. The most famous thing that I always hear from people Go to the school that, you know, go to the school that, that is being led by a successful performer, you know, like, uh, like, uh, like, for instance, they, they have uh, the, the Good Brothers there. I was just talking about Allos, Anderson and Gallows. They have their own school. Seth Rollins has a school, Black and Brave, you know, they, they have their own school. There's a lot of performers who have accomplished a great deal in this business who have opened schools. And you know what? They're not bad. They're not bad ideas. They're not bad ideas. You know, they obviously have a lot of knowledge they'd like to, they have to give to you because they've been successful. They've been there. They've experienced things. But that's not always a good fit. I tell people all the time, don't just pick the guy because he's a former WWE superstar. Really learn about the program. Meet people from the program. Get, get to know what's, and be familiar with the program. And if it fits you and it fits into what you're trying to do as a performer and what you're trying to learn and what stage that you're at in your career, then do it. Because that's the next part. You're not always – no nobody is trained by one person. I spoke about that when I did the interview with Mike Law. Not one person in this industry is trained by one person. Okay, You get your basics from a central location and then you learn along the way and different people will teach you along the way. Nine times out of ten, whenever you ask somebody who trained you, they're probably going to give you the most famous or credible person who did. May not exactly be the one who gave them their basics and who taught them early on in their career. Because also nine times out of ten, the guy who taught you the basics usually tried to use you and you separated them from them and did your own thing. That's usually how that works out. But there are a lot of good good coaches out there, a lot of good schools. Damien Adams has a good school. Obviously, I'm still connected uh, to some degree with House of Glory and, you know, Red and uh, Amazing Red and Brian Excel and their litany of guest um, seminars that happen over there at House of Glory. That's all in the New York area. We have the Monster Factory out there. I think, what's that? Is that PA? I believe it is. Santino Bros over on the West Coast in California. I've heard good things about them. There's a lot of good schools down in the Texas area. Uh, Ring of Honor has its own camp CZW has its own I mean there's a lot of companies now That are not just uh, creating Federations or, or Pro wrestling companies They're creating schools adjacent to them 
And there are a lot of opportunities out there. Al Snow just bought over OVW, though, for those of you out there in the Midwest. Al Snow is a, 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 a longtime great trainer who will teach you the basics and everything you need to know to protect yourself. It's very difficult to pick um, the famous ones. There are a lot of there are a lot of schools that are, are really good schools that I've seen who are ran by people who maybe not didn't have the greatest of success in their careers, but are amazing trainers. And I think those guys don't get enough praise. I used to be a part of one up in Connecticut, Pro Wrestling Academy. Uh, it was a great school that taught you great great basics and taught you how to protect yourself and really good for the business. They really were. There's a lot of good ones out there. There's a lot of bad ones out there, too. And I'm not going to plug them. But I can tell you right now, if you're listening to this show and you want me to help you with the wrestling school stuff and you want to send me some stuff, I'm down for that. I'll look them up. I'll talk to some people who went there. I have no problem with that because I'm not going to sit here and support shitty schools. If you're out here to take money from these fucking kids, fuck you. Uh, I'm not down for that. I want to lead people to the right places to meet the right people. There's a lot of good schools out there. I could sit here all day naming them, and I'm not going to do that because that'd be a waste of time. Uh, Google is your friend. But if you want to get more in-depth, that's my advice to you. Find the place, search the place out, ask questions. Meet the people who are there. More often than not, if someone is a student of a school, they're usually blasting it on their Facebook. Currently studying at blank, 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 or future pro wrestler at blank, blank, blank. Ask, talk to them. Ask them. Yo, what's up with this school, man? What's going on with this? Is it good? Is it what? Is, and, and you have to know what you want to do. Okay, what stage of the career are you in? Do you know nothing, and you need to learn basics? All right, find a school that'll teach you the basics. Do you have your basics down? Do you already have a, a certain, you know, number of years already under your belt? And you're just trying to expand on your career and get better and learn different things. Seminars aren't the only way to do that. You can enroll at another school, you know. House of Glory was good for that. They they take uh they take students from other schools if they were looking for more advanced training and you know different spot settings and high fly and all that different stuff lucha style. There's a lot of different schools that offer a variety of styles. If you're trying to be an all-encompassing performer, or if you're a little guy and you're trying to learn the lucha style or high fly, there are schools just for that. If you're a little guy who wants to be a high flyer, you wouldn't go to the Killer Kowalski School of Wrestling. That just doesn't make sense. Okay? But if you were a know-nothing, you know, nobody who, who just needs to learn the basics, that might be the school for you. There's different avenues to take here, is what I'm trying to say. Different avenues, different flavors for everybody. You just got to find the right spot. All right? I, I hope I was a little bit more clear on it this time around, because I've been asked that a few times they wanted me to talk about it on the show, so here it is. It's me talking about it. I've mentioned it before, like I said, but I think this is a little bit more specific. These are the things you need to watch out for and things you need to look into. A little real talk for some of you out there. It's best. I'm telling you, for most of you, it's better just to stay behind the rail, man. It really is. Not because I don't think you have the talent. Who knows? You might be a diamond in the rough, and I don't even know. But what I'm telling you is, is when you get into this, when you get into the fraternity, it ain't all peaches and cream, my friend. There's a lot of bullshit that happens back there. A lot of people, like I told you, there's not a lot of commentating spots, not a lot of interviewer spots, not a lot of ring announcing spots. A lot of people jockeying for position, okay? And they will undercut you and they will fuck you to get your 60 bucks. They will. They will. Not me. I don't need your money that bad. But there are others who are out there so that's going to basically almost just about, you know, coming to an end here. 
that was a very roundabout way of saying this show's coming to an end. Just real quick, also, just as a side note, as a side note, just we're just about wrapping this up here. As I said, I'm going to be doing some really cool shit this Friday for an interview for next week. It's going to be redonk. You guys are going to be super interested in what, what's going to happen here. If you're a fan of this show, you're definitely going to enjoy next week's episode. Uh, it's definitely going to be an interview of epic proportions. I'm looking, uh, you know, as, as this show continues on, I think I'm looking more to doing a roundtable for that Money in the Bank thing. Uh, I think that would be cool because there's a lot of different directions that I would love to go with Money in the Bank. It's an all-in-Money in the Bank conversation, so it should be really fucking awesome. So uh, that is the show this week, and if you guys get a chance, again, I'm going to run it down, ajoum.podbean.com, or the main area in which you can catch my episodes. Uh, you can catch the show also on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, TuneIn Radio app, and CastBox. Dot FM. If it seems like a shorter episode than usual, it's because, like I said, I have got shit to do. So, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for sharing. And once again, folks, thank you for enjoying.